welcome back to another episode of Faith on the Go podcast. This service is from April 23rd, 2023, the third Sunday of Easter. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel to get notifications of when a new episode is released. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Our first reading this morning is from the second chapter of Acts. Today's reading is the conclusion of Peter's sermon preached following the giving of the Holy Spirit to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. The center of his preaching is the bold declaration that God has made the crucified Jesus both Lord and Christ. We read, Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the first chapter of First Peter. The imagery of exile is used to help the readers of this letter understand that they are strangers in a strange land. Christians no longer belong to this age. Through the death of Christ, we belong to God, so that our focus, faith, and hope are no longer on such things as silver or gold. We read, If you invoke as father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. I invite you to stand as you're able for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now on that same day when Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. 
While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. And I invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, you are all around. You come to us in ways that we don't expect. Open us to your presence in our lives that we might realize your call the work that you are uh, accomplishing and inviting us to share, that our attention might be not focused on what we think others ought to do, but on what you are calling us to do. Each one of us is truly, we are standing in the need of prayer as we grow in this relationship that you have established, you who have risen from the dead, you who gather your church in that power. Come now afresh to your church and work in us and through us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Let the church say, amen. I want to go back to a line from the psalm for my sermon today. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all God's people. 
And I've got a question for you, church. What are your vows to God? And how do you fulfill them? What are your vows to God? And how do you fulfill them? This verse stood out to me amid today's readings and led me to look up my ordination vows, to remember what I promised to do in the presence of God's people. I've never forgotten this, but sometimes it can become obscured by many other claims and agendas that crowd in on ministry demanding my attention. It's good to remember that there's something that I promised to do so that I can evaluate how I'm doing along the way. It's widely understood that ordained leaders in the church make vows, but what about you? What about you, church? What are your vows to God, and how do you fulfill them? A colleague reminded me early in my ministry that there were other earlier vows that I had already made together with all of God's people through baptism. In our hymnal, they're described this way, as your promise to continue in the covenant that God made with you in holy baptism, to live among God's faithful people, to hear God's word and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. We don't talk about that as much as we should. You know, we say it kind of in ritual, liturgical ways and everything like that, but maybe the impact and the meaning gets a little obscured. It's like, oh, wait a minute, you mean there's something I promised to do here? (laughs) There's something I'm supposed to be doing? Yes, a lot. These are huge things, important things. And our practice of church can also become obscured by many claims and many agendas that compete for your allegiance. And their influence can make you reactive to all the challenges and opportunities that life may put in front of you instead of proactively carrying out what it is that you have promised to do through the relationship that God has established in you. It's often easier to define yourself by what you're against than to cultivate a deep and abiding sense of who you really are and what you are truly for, what it is that you stand for in your life. And this tendency is also easily manipulated by those with an agenda to push or with something to sell. What does Jesus' death and resurrection mean for you amid the many competing demands and priorities surrounding you? This is especially difficult when those demands and priorities might claim to represent God. And so Christianity can become another hostage in the never-ending battle over cultural dominance in our society. And that's not why Jesus died and rose again to just be used conveniently in those kind of struggles. Today's readings suggest being rescued from the never-ending battles for your soul fought throughout history 
to discover a new vocation in the victory of Jesus' self-emptying love. God's anointed one, who is Lord over all, also has an anointing for you and direction for an altogether different agenda in this world. It isn't about identifying enemies or defining yourself by what you are against, but a commitment to a way of life realized through Jesus' victory over sin and death, which is given to you and entrusted to you. This gift and trust takes the unexpected form described in today's gospel reading as the risen Christ meets bewildered and reactive followers in a way that they didn't initially recognize. It's a reminder that the path of Jesus will surprise you and unsettle you even as he walks with you along the way. The psalmist testified to the redeeming ways of God amid the dire circumstances in which we continue finding ourselves, including things like entanglement in the cords of death, the anguish of the grave, and the power of grief and sorrow. These are powers active in every generation, but somehow they always feel most real for each person in the present moment as you experience them, as you go through these things. The psalmist reminds you of God's capacity to hear your cry from the midst of these things and to respond with bold and unexpected goodness and love. The disciples on the road to Emmaus bemoaned that they had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel, only to discover that those old powers of sin and death had prevailed yet again. Little did they know that the subject of their conversation was walking right beside them. There's no small amount of humor in Luke's account, and there is something bemusing about our inability to get it when it comes to the newness of God's beloved community in our midst. It begins with God's gracious initiative, continually breaking through your self-determination to reveal a greater hope and the primacy of love. It continues as those gifts are ever more realized in your life, as you grow in the community of God's people, lifting the cup of salvation and calling upon God's name. This cannot be accomplished alone, and the vows that form your vocation are shaped by community with neighbors, with strangers, and even with enemies, as Jesus' victory over sin and death is realized in ever-widening circles of life. I'm grateful to be discerning this together and for the gifts that each of you bring as we serve the unexpected way of a crucified and risen Lord. Amen.